Welcome to Florida. This is welcome to Florida, still. I am Chad Scott, <laughs> still. That is not, however, best-selling New York Times author and award-winning environmental reporter Craig Pittman. It is Craig Pittman on your side. <laughs> well, okay, wait a minute. I specifically said I'm not Craig on your side. I'm I'm not one of those folks you call when you have a problem with a crooked car dealer or something like that. But this attorney had called had contacted me and said, "Hey, you should write about these people selling water softeners using scare tactics. They they get people signed up and then they give them these ridiculous agreements and and I thought, yeah, 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 I'm not going to write about that. But then I got a card in the mail from one of the companies and it said <laughs> the, the water plant, the water plant will be in your area. We'd like to come by and do a, give you a free water test. And I'm uh-huh. like, this is exactly what the guy told me about. OK, I, maybe I do have to write about this. So I did. <laughs> yeah, your, your latest Florida Phoenix article, FloridaPhoenix.com, takes a look at, at what uh, by all appearances, is is a scam. So, you know, uh, flesh it out a, a little bit more in case anyone else has, has received one of these and what 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 the what the uh, the catch is here. Well, OK, so I talked to I talked to a couple of clients of, of the attorney uh, who had been who'd been trapped in this thing. They they had bought a house in Melbourne, first time home buyers, and they got this letter in the mail that said, hi, welcome to the neighborhood. We'd love to give you a gift card and maybe stop by and talk to you. And it didn't say anything about water or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So they said, sure, come on by. And we love to get the gift card. Well, the catch was the guy was actually a salesman for one of these companies, comes in wearing the company uniform with the initials W.E.T. on the side. I think it was Water Evaluation (laughs) Technologies or something like that. And, And he steers the conversation to their tap water. And he says, oh, you should take a look at what's really in your tap water. Give me a glass of it. And so they gave him some some of their tap water and he put some pills in it and it turns this weird looking color. And he says, oh, my God, your water is unsafe. It's full of carcinogens. It's going to kill you. You need to buy one of our filtering systems that will it will. And I mean, he made a whole ton of promises Mm -hmm. like it's it's not just going to make your water clean, but it'll make it easier for you to clean your dishes and your clothes. Your Wipe your teeth, will, yeah. yeah your showers <laughs> will be more comfortable and all this stuff. And so he signed them up on the spot. Well, they didn't realize until much later that it was all just a big, you know, it's a big scam that they mm-hmm. were uh and that they had signed this agreement to for financing that was gonna take 15 mm. years payoff and cost them thousands and thousands of dollars. And then the company filed a lien against their house. Oh my gosh. So they wound up suing and getting a settlement and the other companies paid the uh paid the court cost but the the catch is that that water test that's where the whole thing comes down to is they they do this water test where they put droplets or or pills in your water and say oh my god look how horrible that looks it's just a test for hardness it's not for toxins or anything like that yeah. it's just showing yeah. you there are certain minerals in your water minerals that would be found in spring water Sure. I mean, it's it, it, no water. A lot of, yeah, a lot of sulfur in, in Florida tap water, and that's why yeah. it, it smells the way it does. But it is I I exclusively and proudly drink Florida tap water. It's a, a you know, if you want a, a New Year's resolution, get off the bottled water and just go right to the tap. It's fine. Yeah. So so, but these a lot of these people they don't know, especially yeah. the new the new folks. Some mm-hmm. of the nine hundred new people moving to Florida every day, they don't know. They think it could be another Flint, Michigan, or another Jackson, Mississippi, and so they sign up for these things and then they realize too late oh wait they've they've they're charging me thousands of dollars and i can't get out of this and yeah 
It's just it's such a big scam. The attorney general's office actually has a warning on their website and has since 2003 telling people don't don't accept anything from anybody offering you a free water test because it's a scam. FloridaPhoenix.com, Craig Pittman on your side. And that <laughs> takes us to this week's guest. One of, if, one of my if favorite I'm on your side, you should have political commentators yeah. <laughs> from uh, around the, the state, but my local area in particular. And that is Mark Woods, who is the columnist for the Florida Times Union. You can find him on Twitter at TU Mark Woods. He also, by an incredible quirk of of fate had a book published lassoing the sun a year in america's national parks that published on the exact same day as oh florida so craig and uh, mark are uh, publishing twins in a sense and uh, mark i think is is one of the the, the most enlightened critical voices trying to bring clarity and and hold politicians accountable here in 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 the jacksonville area Plus, he walked across Jacksonville, which I think is quite a, quite a feat. So let's get to talking to him. Uh, Mark, thank, thanks so much for joining us today. First, I have to ask you, you live in a city that was named for a guy who never set foot there. Is that am I reading that right? Is that this, is that how is, that? this is correct? <laughs> yeah. Who, Jackson, who was it named Andrew for? Jackson never set foot here. <laughs> so why did they name it after him? Um, I think it was that time period. You know, it was uh, we're celebrating the bicentennial right now. So 18. 1822, uh, Andrew Jackson loomed large as a figure in this this part of the country, I think, yeah. if I remember my Jacksonville history. He was, I think he's territorial governor, but he was in Pensacola the whole time and he hated it. So. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, a truly villainous character. I live in Amelia Island. I worked in Jacksonville for the better part of nine years commuting every day. There's a big statue for him down by what used to be the landing and it uh sickens me every day to think that this city is named after him but hey if we can't even get confederate monuments out of here uh jacksonville is going to stay <laughs> i think mark <laughs> whether we want whether i want it or not right right yeah well, how did, that's going to change you now, now how did you wind up in jacksonville how long have you lived there i moved here in 2001 came to be sports columnist um from had been at the palm beach post before that i mean i've lived um, you know, and, and thinking in Florida terms, I moved here in December 21st, 1988. Not that I remember wow. the, the warm <laughs> day. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've been here, you know, more than 30 years, but I've lived in uh, Melbourne, um, Orlando, Tampa, lived in South Florida, covering the Dolphins, and then came here as a sports columnist uh, in 2001. And um, so, yeah, it's the, it's by far the longest I've lived anywhere because as a kid we moved around a lot so uh, wow. 20 20 plus years is by far the longest i've lived anywhere in my life how does jacksonville compare to the other places you've lived what what is it that's kept you there for this i, I always really liked it when i lived in you know when i lived in other parts of the state and i would come cover things like come for the georgia football game to me i like the um i like the climate that you know it's warm enough that i'm out of the midwest where i grew up <laughs> <laughs> but it still gets a little, you know, it gets chilly and a little chilly in the winter. You know, living in South Florida is is kind of perpetual summer and tropics. And there's there's something to be said for that. But I like that. Uh, and then I like the uh, kind of the um, vegetation, you know, the big, you know, we have big old oak trees in the marsh that feels it kind of feels like this mix between the low country that's to the north of, you know, South Carolina and the tropics of South Florida. So I. I like I've always I always even before I moved here, I really, really like Jacksonville for that from that standpoint. 
Yeah, we're we're running on a lot of parallels here, Mark, uh, because we're we're both Wisconsinites. Uh, I was in the sports media as well before transitioning out to do more art and travel, and similarly attracted to this area. I remember coming here, vacationing on Amelia Island once with with my mom when I was uh, in in Connecticut working at ESPN. Then I came down for the the Super Bowl, and and that mix of the more southern landscape with the live oak trees and the Spanish moss, but then you've got the palms and the the palmettos. You've got the beach, but you've also, like you say, have have the march and the change of, of seasons. I, you know, a lot of people think of Florida and they don't recognize that and they get their Amelia Island beach house as a as a uh, snowbird and they're wondering what in the hell is going on here in, in January <laughs> and in February, right. thinking everything is is West Palm. So yeah, I mean I, I think this is really ecologically, um, geographically, a, a wonderful crossroads. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I would totally agree. I, mean, I liked the other places we lived, um, and they each had their, their pluses and minuses, but, um, yeah, this, I think it's that, that climate and the, again, and also that it's not, it feels like a city that's not too big, but not too small. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of this happy medium of a lot of things. Now, you, unlike probably everybody else in Jacksonville, you've actually walked across the city. <laughs> what did you, when did you do that? And what did you learn in in that long walk? Long, I long actually walk. did it twice. Uh, the first was, I think, 2016. So, yeah, Jacksonville, that's one of the good trivia uh, answers is, um, you know, what's the largest city by landmass in the contiguous United States? It's Jacksonville, Florida. I think it's... um. I think the stat is 840 square miles, and that changed with consolidation in 1968 when it was when Jacksonville was consolidated. It um, went from this you know little patch in the middle that a lot of cities are like that to this sprawling area. So that we're known for that, and we're also like a lot of Florida cities known for we're not real bike pedestrian friendly. We're you know we consistently rank um, as one of the you know, most dangerous places for pedestrians. Um, so those two things, uh, you know, what's what's a columnist going to do? Uh, largest city, dangerous to walk <laughs> in. I'm going to I'm going to walk all the way across it. So the the premise kind of was, uh, you know, I didn't try and turn it in some big athletic feat where I was going to try and do it all in one day or something. I, it was um, I would walk a few miles wherever I stopped at one day a week, and wherever I stopped, I would t- return to that point the next week and continue on. And um, I think if I'd done a straight line north to south, it would have been 30 some miles. I turned it into like 150 miles. My office <laughs> kept uh, my coworkers kept giving me a hard time how long I was uh, maybe milking that project. But it was <laughs> it was really fun. So I did that north to south in 2016. And and I really enjoyed it. Apparently readers loved it. So I, I asked in 2018 if I could do it west to east from the from Baldwin to the beaches. So I did a I did a second one. Um so I've done it done it twice trying to think how I can I don't know what the next one will be. But I it's been it was really exactly. fun and I get asked about it a lot. <laughs> well did you learn something new about the city that you didn't know before you did those walks? Absolutely. I mean not just not just in general, but every every single walk I think I found something new. Um, and it kind of was, yeah, that how you, you know, being in your car, you even if you've driven through somewhere, you don't see little things, you don't stop at little things. Some of it, you know, I, I want it to be semi-planned out, so I would have certain landmarks. I'm going to hit this along the way, but I also wanted it to be kind of organic. So um, there were, 
I think every single walk there would be something every single time I went out there'd be something oh I didn't know this was here kind of kind of mm-hmm. epiphany and it was Is, really really fun what sticks in your memory from from that that you, you um oh that's a, I, I knew you'd ask me that I'm trying to think what uh I was going to bring up one just because it's kind of classic Jacksonville when I went um across the west side i made sure to stop in a little bar it's it, it was known as the pastime then i think it, they renamed it the jug because uh, uh the legend has it that's where uh ronnie van zant wrote give me three steps and um <laughs> and uh so i went in this uh i fear i'm walking steps i'm gonna my steps are gonna lead me to this little west side bar um and it's a tiny tiny kind of uh some kind of little little rough around the edges uh and I, I didn't know if it would be open at uh at noon. And they said, Oh yeah, we've been we been <laughs> apparently people some people come in at like 7 a.m. Oh nice night shift. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, I hung out with folks there. That that's one kind of kind of classic Jacksonville experience. Um when I came through the zoo, I stopped in the zoo and I walked with the uh, uh I think it's a I forget how many hundred, several hundred pound tortoise. So it was one one walking partner I was faster than. Um, <laughs> so I just, try, I, I had people walk with me. I had like the state attorney walk with me one time, one of the walks and I had, but I often, it would just, I wanted somebody from whatever neighborhood it was. So tell me about your part of town. Tell me what, what you like, what you don't like, show me some things. So I felt like I had these tour guides often that would um tag along and, and, um, so that that was a, another one of the memorable pieces of it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the quirk of Jacksonville sort of governance, politics, uh, and, and consolidation. One of the best articles, bar none, in a newspaper I've ever read was done by your newspaper, the Florida Times Union, in the uh I don't I I read it in the aftermath of of George Floyd. It may have been published much, much sooner than that, but it explained and it really opened my eyes a lot to social justice movement, systemic racism. It laid out how consolidation was really pitched to the Black community in Jacksonville in the 60s or 70s and ended up being a total bill of goods. We could talk the rest of this podcast about that. I don't want to. Cliff Notes version, how come Jacksonville consolidated and is now the biggest city by land size in the country? And I'm not the expert on that, but you're right. You could do a whole podcast on that. And yeah, it was the idea that, um, well, instead of having services spread out all over, we're going to, it'll it'll be more efficient. It'll be um, there'll be less corruption, which you know hasn't necessarily <laughs> always been true. Wink, um, wink, 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 wink. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, and that, yeah, it would be it would um, the inequities would not be it would help us move forward mm-hmm. in that. And you're right. That's we often now, fifty years later, are talking about the the promises of consolidation that haven't come to fruition and how that's. When Craig and I traded emails, he, he said, you know, we'll talk about the good and bad. And that's that probably is a prime example of the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, and there's it's a pretty heated debate still, especially with the, the when we had celebrated the 50th a couple of years ago. Has consolidation been good for Jacksonville or not? Yeah. I'll put a link to the 
article in the show notes and it, it was fascinating because it's this whole idea you know jackson had city and county right so you got two sets of cops two sets of waste two sets of schools this whole hey if we brought it all together it'll be more efficient and it won't be separate and unequal anymore it'll be separate and equal and it's a great idea and and black residents were leery because they've been sold so many uh of these ideas before but went through with it and the let's just say the promise has not totally been realized to too yeah. far <laughs> a soft sell what it what is what has gone on but it it is a, a a just a fascinating fascinating piece of of i i dare say american history because it it is uh you know one of those weird things about florida that jacksonville is the largest city in the country and and it and it goes back to to this kind of post civil rights era compromise decision since we're going to bring up race let me just mention two well-known campaigners for civil rights are from jacksonville uh james wilden johnson and a philip randolph but also there was a rather horrific event that occurred there in jacksonville axe handle saturday was it yes correct can you tell us a little bit about that yeah it's you know it was in that era of um lunch counter sit-in so it was right uh the downtown square there's a park there that's now called james weldon johnson park just renamed in the last couple of years but it was known as Hemming Hemming Park or Hemming Plaza for for decades. Um, so it's kind of the central part, right? You know, City Hall is right there. But in the yeah, the 1960s, there were um, you know students were having lunch counter sit-ins, and it was you know after one of those when they were leaving, there was um, you know a large group of white men with literally with axe handles waiting. And um, kind of this horrific um, scene. There's a life, uh, yeah, pretty sure it's Life magazine. There's a famous photo of a, a t- black teenager, his shirt just splattered with blood. Amazing um, that picture. was not even yeah. one of the, um, he was not even one of the protesters at the um, counter. He kind of got caught up in it. And yeah, so it is, um, yeah, there's this, you know, St. Augustine obviously has a lot of civil rights. And there's been, I think in recent years and time that a a bigger effort to kind of um, uh, remember and commemorate. And, you know, we as a paper did a a horrific job of covering that. You go back and read it. We didn't we didn't really cover it. It got more Mm -hmm. coverage somewhat nationally. Um, So we've tried to, you know, say we we got it wrong and we've tried to tell the story of that. And um and I think there's other, you know, but this corner of Florida and, you know, Southeast Georgia is, has just this rich civil rights history. And like you said, um, yeah, one of my favorites is A. Philip Randolph, because I, I wrote a feature I really liked a few years ago for the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. And um, basically how that, you know, we think of MLK, that is but really it wouldn't yeah. have happened without a Philip Randolph. If you look at, there's a, um, a, a photo of all kind of the leaders of it in the white house with JFK and who's, who's standing right next to JFK. It's, it's, it's not MLK. It's um, a Philip Randolph. And I was, there was only one living person left from that kind of that organization on the 15th anniversary. It was John Lewis. So I was fortunate enough to be able to, wow interview him for that story 
and he would go into this um he he called him Mr. Randolph. He still referred to him that way. And he, he'd, he'd mimic his voice because he had this deep, variable tone voice. And that was part of what fascinated, you know, the another the Internet's crazy. You can go back and listen to a Philip Randolph speech. And yeah, MLK wasn't the only one who could deliver a speech. Back then. A Philip Randolph speech is pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. On, a, on one of the major anniversaries of Axe Handle Saturday, the Times Union did a, a remarkable piece catching up with some of the folks who had been there really laying out that story. I will link to that as well in the show notes. Again, it is one of the, and, and I come across these all, I'd lived in Jacksonville six, seven years, or Amelia Island and worked in Jacksonville that long before I'd ever heard of Axe Handle Saturday. And again, the uh, social justice protests that broke out across the country after the the murder of George Floyd certainly you know brought a lot of this back to the to the front page of the newspaper but a week ago we talk about this this corner of northeast florida and southeast georgia uh, i i found out that one of the very last slave ships carrying slaves from africa landed on jekyll island which is 20 miles north of where i am the wanderer I've never heard mm-hmm. of it before. Uh, it was long after the, the United States has, quote unquote, abolished, you know, international slavery. But this was um, a bootlegging slave ship that landed in Jekyll Island, 20 miles north of Florida. Never heard of it. 99.999% of the people have never. These stories are just still out there. So many of them uh, to be in, in, in this area alone. Uh, our second episode, American Beach. How many people have heard of American Beach, even in Jacksonville? Yeah. Small yeah. percentage, small percentage, very significant uh, event. And 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 I'll, I'll bring this back to the very present day and, and ripped from the headlines. We are seeing in Jacksonville, across the state, nationally, a, a resurgence of white nationalism, of uh, racism. We've had some high-profile incidents here in Jacksonville, uh, Confederate flag banners being flown over the city, uh, we had uh, anti-Semitic neo-Nazi uh, rallies on highway overpasses during the Florida Georgia game this year. Much like with the governor uh, statewide, our mayor here, Lenny Curry, has done very little, if, if, bordering on nothing, to address it. When you see this uh, mark for your adopted hometown, a Confederate flag flying over over the city, broad daylight, mayor says nothing about it. How does that make you feel? Well, I would say, you know, I would say in his defense, he has, he did make a statement very quickly and he has allocated money for the monuments to come down. The city council, it's kind of somewhat the ball in their court. I mean, that's, he's not, not blame free, but that was um, one of the fascinating twists two years ago out of the blue Overnight, in the middle of the night, he t- had the there was a statue we had in, in the middle of what was then Hamming Hamming Park. Um, the statue removed, and so that angered the people who want Confederate statues up. And I think that's part of the reason we've become a battleground. Is to me that so they took the the statue off this sixty two foot pillar. That pillar is still standing there, and at the bottom it says Confederate Memorial. <laughs> to, to me, that that pillar kind of symbolizes where we are stuck in this kind of half a monument because mm-hmm. we removed the statue from the top. And yet in the middle of our, you know, one of our most prominent public squares, we still have this 
granite column with, that says that. And I, I think there, there, there are plans to redo the park. So that probably will, that one will be coming down, but there's others that are, um, you know, are part of the battle. And yes, it feels like, yeah, you know, more than 150 years after the civil war, we are, we are still fighting it here in, in Jacksonville, Florida, which is kind of ironic because there was not much battle fought here 150 years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to the to the west, we had a lusty, and but this this really was not. You know, there were other places with, but this is one of the modern day battlegrounds. There's no doubt. Fascinating. Now, let me ask you about a uh, 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 somewhat happier history story. Jacksonville for a while was Hollywood. Wasn't it the place where they made right. made films? Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, in the early 1900s, it was known as the winter film capital of the world. Because I guess, you know, in New York, it was not ideal filming <laughs> um, conditions. That's where they mostly shot movies, if I remember correctly, at that point. And so they would come down and um, uh, set up shop here in the winter. Um, and there was so there's kind of this about a decade of a heyday. Um, there was a... When we had our 2015 mayoral race, I went and looked back at the 1915 mayoral race because it was. We think our politics are crazy now. That one in Jacksonville was crazy because it was basically one mayor that wanted to bring back the brothels in La Villa, and the other <laughs> that did not. And the, and the one who wanted to bring back the brothels won, and so they, they had that going on in La Villa, this kind of historic part of Jacksonville that had. Um, bars and music and um and also had the movie industry in other part but then the next the, the pendulum kind of swung the other way with the next election and you know mayor pledged to clean up the city and got got rid of the the brothels and also got rid of uh those ho- those uh movie making types and they went to some some town out in California where it was warm uh, <laughs> so yeah that's we we apparently could have could have been hollywood yeah, there's yeah. A, a fascinating sidecar to that story too that you you know find tell of around Jacksonville. That's Norman Studios, which was a uh, uh, entirely black studios. The, the, the filmmakers, the actors. Uh, I will put a link also in the show notes to the Norman Studios, which they're not operating today. There's a, a oh what there's an interpretive building that has some history. Uh, I need to to go see that. There's an exhibition of of movie posters from that era at the Cummer Museum of Art. But if you're interested in that, uh, I will drop that in the show notes as well. Yeah, that was one of the, one of my stops on the walk. I made sure that uh, kind of the curator, the woman behind the museum, was there. So and stopped at the uh, Norman Studios and and kind of that's those are some of the ones where I'd have it planned out. So that for mm-hmm. one week, I tried to. In fact, I think I timed that one so it was. Um, it was going to be near the Academy Awards and kind of was gave me an excuse to tell um, the story of Norman Studios again. But mm-hmm. you're right. That is a great piece of uh, fascinating piece of Jacksonville history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there was a great fire also. If I'm right. When was that? Was that 19- before the, the movie 19- theater? 1901. So, yeah, that, that the turn of the century, Jacksonville had a lot going on. <laughs> um, you know, and once upon a time, this was. You know the largest, not just largest by landmass, largest city in Jacksonville by population. Um, yeah, nineteen oh one in Florida. Uh, yeah, in in Florida. Um, yeah, there was a, a, I think there was a wood stove and there was Spanish moss laid out to dry and it, it caught fire and um, burned more than two thousand buildings. Most most of the, Yikes. I think a hundred and 
40 some blocks and so 10,000 people estimated being left left homeless and um I think the stat is that it's the third largest urban you know fire in American history the wow. Chicago fire and uh and um San Francisco fire of 1906 so um um so it changed you know, a lot of the structures at that point were, you know, were wooden. That's why it just went crazy. But it, so then it led to the kind of this heyday of, of architecture, um, of rebuilding Jacksonville. So there was the, the folks in town who are architectural historians talk about how that was the, the, you know, the side benefit of the fire was all of a sudden, this was the place to, to build new grand architecture. You had a blank slate to work with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Almost since 1901, not quite, but almost since 1901, the state has been trying, or the city, excuse me, have been trying to figure out what to do with its downtown. And uh, I I still think that is the the primary issue backdropping everything else that takes place in Jacksonville, whether it's a mayor's race, whether it is uh, some issue regarding the riverfront, the Jaguars, housing, policing, sprawl, you name it. Jacksonville has had an underperforming downtown 40 years at least, probably 50, 60 or more. How, when you look at where, where Craig is in St. Pete, you're like, oh my God, what if this, what if Jacksonville were like, why is that the case, one, and, and how can it be uh, corrected? Pull out the, the magic wand, Mark, and, and fix <laughs> Jacksonville's downtown. You're the emperor uh, of Jacksonville. What what would you, what is your command? <laughs> right. I think I've written that column uh I don't know how many times. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah, you're right. Um, you know, when I lived in I lived in the Tampa Bay area throughout the nineties, I recent the Tampa mayor, former Tampa mayor, recently came to town to speak about how they revitalized Tampa's downtown. I told him, you know, when I lived I lived uh on Bayshore Boulevard near downtown, and you know, it was deserted in that mm-hmm. that stretch and St. Pete downtown was deserted mm-hmm. um so both of those have transformed very dramatically you know i think the part i've been hammering and others have been hammering home that we i think we've been waiting often waiting for this like rich savior to swoop in and invest <laughs> a ton of money kind of thing and i know that that's a piece of the equation of what happened in tampa but i think we have to invest in ourselves is the thing i keep saying that we need to you know we need to have great public spaces you know the 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 great waterfronts and riverfronts and downtowns have these amazing public parks that are and so start there so i think we're finally starting to think in those terms and there's there's a, a, a big push now that, and so hopefully we will take our riverfront which you're right is it's it's stunning um, it has so much potential, and we've been saying that for for decades mm-hmm. that we will um, take it and utilize some of that. And um, so there's 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 definitely some things happening right now, and they and they involve what you want, where it's both. Um, you know, when I say I want parks, it's not that I just I don't want any development. We always we want both. You want um, the public stuff, and you want the private stuff. And I think we're finally maybe inching toward making that happen. So I I'm I'm excited kind of about the next decade or so for for downtown jacksonville good what's it like being on the river you 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 go about paddle boarding quite a bit <laughs> i know from from watching your photos you posted on twitter right yeah i mean where else can you uh literally paddleboard right through the center of a a, a city with a million people and um <laughs> yeah we go downtown um it's 
I, I tell others when they see that it's not the simplest place to paddleboard because there's a pretty can be a pretty strong current and tides and um but we've we've been doing it long enough that yeah we're pretty comfortable out there and it's it is there's there's natural spots that I love paddleboarding in Jacksonville but that that's a pretty special spot to do it where you you, you know you're going under the bridges and you certain times of year Shad Khan the Jaguars owner has his 300 foot yacht parked there and <laughs> paddle by that and wave and uh um, <laughs> Shad come on and join us <laughs> right right. Uh, I love paddling down there and um, especially at sunrise. And, and so that's, that's one of my favorite spots and favorite urban paddles. When you look at, at so many of these projects around the nation that have revitalized cities, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, well, St. Pete and, and, and Tampa, Let, we could just start there, but Memphis, I mean, it, it go Oklahoma city, it goes on. And so many of them start with water and start with a, a river walk. And what, what's exciting about Jacksonville is that's publicly owned land for the most part. So few, you know, this is not land that we have to buy for, you know, a million dollars a square foot from some developer, the city owns it. So it's just a matter of coming up with a plan and then moving forward on it. And obviously you've got to have money to, 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 build it out and and you know, remediate some of it because a lot of it has been uh, polluted by industry over the years but that that's what really really excites me mark is that the, the opportunity for the 21st century I, I dare say unparalleled in the nation the, the the scale of land that that the city owns along the riverfront in Jacksonville as as essentially blue sky for the imagination is, is unheard of and i think this is what will define the next hundred years for the city how the riverfront is developed and whether it's open park space accessible or whether it's more along the lines of the four seasons hotel that's already planned to go in there right yeah no that's another thing jacksonville has always long liked to brag about having one of the largest urban park systems and i've always said that the the and that's part of what drew me here but the missing piece to that is, you know, I think any great park system needs this one iconic urban park, you know, a central park. And, you know, we're not going to have something the size of Central Park in New York. But if we create kind of a linear park along the um, along the river with things to do, and you're right, there is there, the rest of the riverfront has largely been developed. It's too late. But the downtown, you know, once upon a time, you know, that's what. Uh, riverfront cities in America did they they didn't they look they didn't look at the river really as an asset you look at some of the steel towns up in the mm -hmm. northeast where they they have now realized that but Jacksonville too where we built my our old office used to be right on the river and what was literally on the river our parking lot you know, yeah. you know and we <laughs> and it and it was put over a, a creek so you know you think about the things we just didn't take advantage of and I guess the curse is we didn't do anything with it. The the blessing is there is a an amazing opportunity. Um, so you you take what is already the largest urban park system with a lot of wonderful parks spread, you know, up like you were talking about, about up toward Talbot and up your way, mm -hmm. Timaquan Preserve, and there's just I could go on and on. But if if we add into that mix something downtown, you know, we and really make it work, I think that. That should be our hook for as far as I've written that many times, as far as a city in Florida, um, that, you know, Orlando is going to be theme parks, you know, South Florida is going to be South Beach. And, mm. you know, of course, these places are much more than that. But that's the kind of the image of it. Ours should be kind of this 
this natural Florida. There's a stat that I think we have 1,000 miles of shoreline of uh, throughout the city. Yeah. Um, if you take all the tributaries, all the you know the St. John's River. If you take um, the oceanfront, you know we should be defined by this 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 water. Of course, that you know we can get into all that water creates other issues in Florida, um, as we've seen during some of the the storms. But that is, I think, should be our defining feature. Yeah. If Jacksonville does this right, it will never look the same again in a million wonderful ways. If it does this wrong, it will continue to be lapped by Greenville, South Carolina and Memphis and Louisville. Forget about Atlanta and Charlotte and those kind of cities. But, you know, the, these pure Oklahoma City, you know, places that Jacksonville was once on on a even footing with have now zoomed off past it in terms of just interest and, and livability this is this is the last best chance for jacksonville in my opinion to to evolve into a great city it is that important it's it's everything at this point mm-hmm. um not to put any pressure on anyone <laughs> <laughs> now is there still a, a paper mill in jacksonville i know for years there was there are i believe Paper. That's a good question. Yeah, we were defined by our smell for a long mm-hmm. time. That that predated when I lived and not, here. Not a good smell either. <laughs> no, no. Although that's another um, kind of I, I've written when I first came here, kind of the symmetry between where I grew up in in northern Wisconsin. That it kind of there were some similarities other than the 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 climate because um, that was a paper paper in mill area kimberly clark that makes uh kleenex and i grew up in that a lot of the people where i grew up in that area were employed by paper mills and it was a obviously a football area and here was maybe a, a little bit more of a college football area but um i remember writing about how i felt kind of at home being here more so than say maybe south florida but yeah for a long time this city was um was known for smell and not in a good way but that that has changed now if there's a smell we're probably known for downtown, it is probably the Maxwell House plant. You know, when they're <laughs> when they're making the coffee, you get you get a good look, whiff of uh, roasting roasted coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, somebody somebody new comes to your city. What would you tell them? What are what are say five things you tell them that they need to do or need to see hmm. if they're new to well, town? You know, everybody has different things that they want to do. Mine tend to be nature related and outdoors. I love the beaches here. I think Florida beaches, they're all different, but I, I really enjoy the beaches here. So if you're a beach person, um, we, well, we have a city park, Hannah Park, that is, I think, three miles of oceanfront beach and then trails inside it that are in the woods that are, you know, mountain biking and hiking trails and uh, campground and, you know, but where else has a city park of three mile oceanfront? So that's not a bad spot. The riverfront we talked about, I definitely would have to mention Timaquan Ecological and Historic Preserve, our our, our local national park. Um, you know, there's 400 some National Park Service sites, and they all have you know different nomenclatures of national seashore, national lakeshore. I think it, this is the only one that is a ecological and historic preserve, which I think people even locally don't realize it's a piece of the national park system. So that's kind of the curse of that name, but the beauty, it does describe it very well. It's got this literally thousands of years of um, human history. Um, there's a ranger uh, that used to say that it had every heartbeat of our national heritage could be felt in that mm. 
piece of land. I always liked, I've used that quote numerous times. There's some of my, <laughs> the, when people ask me, where do you like to hike? There's probably my favorite hike in Jacksonville is this called the Willie Brown trail. And Willie Brown was this recluse that moved to this. Uh, he had moved, his family had moved to this piece of land, um, hundreds and hundreds of acres in the early 1900s when it was, you know, it was not really a part of the city. And 70 years later, when he's an old man, the city's grown up, you know, we're sending, we're literally sending men to the moon. He's still living out kind of like it's 1910 in the woods here. He didn't have any children. And he said when he died, he wanted to give the land to the people. Um, so that land was donated and it, it's, you know, I think 700 acres. It's a huge piece of land. I, when I did a story on once, I asked the property appraiser, could you tell me what you'd estimate that to be? And it was something like $10 million. And I mean, it's waterfront. It's, it's stunning. It's rolling hills. It has all these different kind of little areas and feels to it. And then it has this one spot called Round Marsh, which has a great vista of the marsh. So I'd say to go there, you know, the Mandarin is, which is on the south side of town, has a lot of history, including uh, we have one of the largest collection of Civil War artifacts here in Jacksonville. But it's isn't, you know, it isn't behind glass at the Smithsonian. I say it's it's inside a ship buried at the bottom of the St. John's River. So you can't necessarily go see it. <laughs> it's still sitting there. But um, divers have gone and taken it's actually a kind of a small piece of what was there. And it's now in a museum in, in Mandarin. It's kind of fascinating to see because, you know, we tend to think of Civil War artifacts as... Uh, what is the name of that? I've never heard of this. The The Maple Leaf is the name of the ship. Okay. Um, and yeah, you go to the Mandarin Museum, the Walter Jones Historic Park. They've done a nice job with the, the artifacts there because you think of, oh, Civil War, most Civil War artifacts, you're going to see the guns, the, the things used in wars. And so forth, yeah. This is the ship, you know, where they were living. So it, it it has, here's their silverware. Here's the comb. Here's the things they did for inter entertainment. So it, it gives you a really interesting glimpse into, um, so it was a Union ship shot by um, um, the Confederates and, and sank there. So it's still, it is still sitting at the bottom of the St. John sunk in the mud. Wow. Wasn't Mandarin where Harriet Beecher Stowe wound up settling after the war? Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I'd written that down. She's um, I was trying to remember the timeline. It was after Uncle Tom's Cabin was published because I've yeah, I've, I've, I think at one point I wrote that she's the most famous resident, maybe. And uh, it rhymes with Tebow, but it isn't Tebow. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she she lived in the Mandarin area and then south of there. I think you've done a whole show on Stetson Kennedy yeah. you know, down there. I've been here long enough. I did a column where I went out and met Stetson Kennedy at uh, Belutha oh, Hatchie wow. at his place when it, he was very late in his life. So I can at least say I kind of sat there and uh, had that experience. But yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there, I could go on and on about there's places all over town that are, are a lot of beautiful, beautiful natural spots. Well, I have to admit, the last time I visited, I didn't go to any of those natural places. I went to Chamberlain's Bookmine, which I think is now the largest bookstore in Florida. and the big dinosaur with the red eyes. Yes. What does that those are those are two good ones. Yeah, the dinosaur. <laughs> uh, what is the story? I think it was part of Goonie Golf in the 1960s, <laughs> and uh, when uh, somebody like 20 some years ago bought the bought the property, and they were going to you know have the strip mall there, and they decided, well, we'll 
We'll leave the dinosaur there. So it's still standing um, on Beach <laughs> Boulevard. Um, they re actually refurbished it. Yeah, so it's this quirky little thing. Um, but and yeah, Chamblins is uh, is an amazing place. Uh, um, and there's there's two of them. There's one downtown, and there's one on the west side. And both you could I have got lost in and spent hours in just kind of <laughs> the 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 amount of books there is kind of it's it's fun. Mark Woods has been our guest, Florida Times Union columnist. You can find him on Twitter, a great follow, at TU Mark Woods, a, a sprawling episode befit for the largest city in the United <laughs> States of America. Mark, a wonderful conversation. I enjoy following your work. Uh, keep up the great job, and thank you very much for joining us today. All right. Thanks, Chad and Craig. Thanks. Jacksonville, Craig, like much of Florida, it, it really makes me want to love it and want to hate it at the same time. You know, there, <laughs> it is it is such a a dichotomy of of some rotten, rotten people and, and some wonderful, wonderful places. Oh yeah, well, I mean, um, we mentioned about James Weldon Johnson. We should we should do a whole show on him at some point. But absolutely, uh, the uh, he was a native of Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. He wrote, uh, among many other accomplishments, he wrote the uh, lyrics for lift every voice and sing which is generally regarded as the, the black national anthem mm -hmm. and it caught on and was and it's still being sung today but after the great fire of what was it 1901 he was seen talking to a woman who might have been white she was not but she might have been and was nearly lynched by a mob mm -hmm. and he he went home and told his brother and the two of them said that's it we have to leave jacksonville you and talk about yeah. You talk about James Weldon Johnson. At one point, there La Villa, which is a neighborhood in Jacksonville that Mark was talking about, was referred to as the Harlem of the South. You know, it yeah. was this really uh, thriving uh, economically, socially, culturally, and, and Jacksonville does very sadly very little to commemorate so much of this wonderful Black history. One of the key figures of the Harlem Renaissance, Augusta Savage, uh, an mm -hmm. artist, is from. Jacksonville and the city really drops the ball with highlighting the significant figures of black history, civil rights history that that, that have taken residence here. And, and we can all connect A and B in our minds as to why that that has historically been the case, which is uh, which is frustrating. But, yeah, Jacksonville is a, a, a really interesting place. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you know, welcome to Florida. Welcome to Florida. <laughs>